it might help somebody that's already into venomous keeping to have a, 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 a grasp from, from a point of view of when things go badly wrong. Hello, I'm Nipper Reed. And I'm Phil Wolf. So, settle down, have a nice cup of tea, and enjoy the Venomous Exchange Radio Podcast. Crumpets, Nipper. I want the crumpets. Well, as you've been such an extraordinarily good boy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages... This is Venom Exchange Radio, episode 13. My name is Mr. Phil Wolf, and I am joined by, as always, the illustrious Mr. Nipper Reed. Hello. And this episode uh, is a very unique episode. It's going to be rather short, but it, we felt that over the years that Nipper and I have looked at a lot of different aspects of Venomous Keeping, there's always something in the back of our minds and in the back of other people's minds that people don't discuss so Phil and I discussed uh, the premise of this episode at length, and um, this episode isn't to glorify some of the more dangerous aspects of venomous keeping at all, um, but I think it's it's valuable from a scientific experience point of view, and I think it's valuable... It might help somebody that's trying to decide whether they want to get into venomous keeping. It might help somebody that's already into venomous keeping to have a, 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 a grasp from, from a point of view of when things go badly wrong. So what we're going to discuss this evening is the fact that after two decades of accident-free um, venomous keeping, I actually took a bite last week. And uh, we, we will continue to say that it is not a badge of honor, but it is definitely something that should be discussed, should be discussed, excuse me. And uh, I'm sure people want to hear your experience and, and everything that goes along with it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. As, as I say, it was a really valuable experience. It's certainly one I hope never to repeat. Um, but I do think the information gleaned from it is is worth hearing for members of the venomous community. And I think the people that listen to our show, they're already venomous keepers. It's not, you know, I'm not going to put anything on social media. I'm not putting gory photographs on my Insta or anything like that. This is just a discussion between like-minded people that are already into the uh, the venomous side of the hobby. Yeah, well put. So do you want to talk about how it transpired and kind of just go through the motions? Yeah. So um, I was having a standard cleaning feeding day. Um, I'd fed a number of the venomous uh, stuff I've got already. Um, and I moved to uh, a vivarium that contained uh, a group of Cisturus miliaris barbari, the pygmy, python, pygmy pythons, pygmy rattlesnakes. Um, I was using a, a two-foot hook, as, as I would do normally. I slid the 
I removed the lock from the cage and then I slid the door open using the hook. And the female that I wanted to remove was towards the back of the viv. Uh, so it's my intention. I had um, feeding box in place outside the viv. Um, and my normal procedure is to double hook out, put into the feeding box, um, feed with forceps, close the box, and then move on to the next snake. Um, and, the, and the reason why is because you have three animals in that one enclosure. That, that's correct. It's, just, yeah. it's easiest to remove the most, um, the most tolerant animal that you know is going to be fine to be removed frequently and fed readily. And then at the same time, you still have two other specimens in the same enclosure that are on, say, different sides. And it's a lot easier to watch two snakes eating than three. Right. Exactly that, hundred percent. Um, if I've had, well, when I have single animals in vivs, I, I don't remove them right. um, for feeding. But right. this this scenario, you know, for the last year or so, I've had this this trio, and this is this is this system works best. So, um, and I have gone through this over and over in my mind, as you can imagine. I didn't see the male. And that is the biggest error. Yeah. You know, I should have 100% looked for where the male was, not assuming he was where he always was. It was nothing but complacency. Yeah. And as I say, I've been keeping for two decades. That's handling venomous snakes, you know, every other day, every day for two decades. Yeah. You're going to get complacent at some time. And I put my hand up to it. It was just complacency. Um, because I wasn't physically going into the Viv, I don't know why, but I didn't check where the male was. And what the male had actually done, they're Viv exotic Vivs, and he'd actually got up onto the plinth just behind the glass. So even though I had a two-foot hook and my hand was back six inches from the Viv, when I slid the glass open, he struck and he came out enough to tag me on the end of my finger wow yeah and this is and this is your ring finger on your right hand correct that's correct yeah so so not only your hand was out of the cage yeah your hand was far away from the the target specimen and yeah. you're holding a hook yeah so that that's that's very left field you know it's as i say um I've gone through it over and over and over again in my mind, as you can imagine. Um, my The error that I put down, the biggest error was not locating each snake in the VIF before I started. Yeah. Yeah. That That's it. Um, you know, there's no excuse. There is no excuse. Right. And it's so much more difficult with multiple specimens in one enclosure. Yeah. It, to be fair, the... Pygmy rattlers are the only venomous that I keep in groups because I think they do better in groups. They certainly seem to do better in groups, um, particularly for breeding. But um, yeah, it, it, it was just, it was one of those things. It was an error. There's no going back from it now. So uh, I got tagged on the finger, um, immediately shut the, uh, the snake, fortunately went back into the viv not out onto the floor excellent uh, which was which was a, a good shout so I, I slid the door shut with the hook relocked it um went out of the building locked the door 
and then uh, went straight into my home upstairs to where the office was where my partner was working she was on a work zoom call so I had to interrupt zoom call and say um, you need to take me to hospital now um, she to her credit was extremely calm excellent um, got me in the car um, at that point there was no pain and no um, symptoms whatsoever. Um, Did you get the initial, um, I don't want to say shock of adrenaline, but that, that infamous, uh, when something bad happens and you feel that like, ooh. Oh, 100%. As soon okay. as I felt the bite, which wasn't painful at all, it was no, you know, it was exactly like getting bitten by a corn snake or something. It's probably no, less because yeah. it's only two teeth opposed to say yeah, 50. There was no yeah. real pain, but there was a, oh shit moment. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things. I think as a venomous keeper, you kind of prepare yourself for it over your whole time. You're keeping venomous. You know, you kind of think this could happen. This could happen. Will I be okay? What do I do? Will I remember to do this, that, and the other. And to be fair, literally the first thing I thought of was, got to close the viv make sure the snakes in there lock it good, up good um which was good as i say no um systematic symptoms whatsoever got in the car the journey to hospital was about half an hour wow towards the end of the journey my temperature went through the roof um Alison, my partner was looking at me she said you've gone bright red she said i can almost feel the heat coming off you Wow. I, I wasn't aware of this at the time. Um, I got into the uh, our accident emergency, what you call your ER, uh, and I started to shake. Um, and then I had to rush to the bathroom and I was vomiting and diarrhea and really bad stomach cramps. Um do you feel like those those uh, secondary symptoms was a result of the stress and anxiety of the incident, or do you think it was a direct effect of venom? Oh, 100% a direct effect of venom. I've, you know, without swinging the lamp too much, I've been in some fairly dangerous and unpleasant situations. Yeah. I, I, I'm fully aware of how adrenaline affects. Mm -hmm. It wasn't an adrenaline effect. This was stomach cramps. Yeah. Um, dizziness. Um, I couldn't stand up. I was so dizzy. Yeah. No equilibrium at all. No. Yeah. Um, so then I was taken through into a room to be assessed by the doctors. Um, and that's when the pain started. Um, and I have genuinely, I mean, I used to box at MMA and I've broken bones. I've dislocated bones. I've had cancer, I've had pneumonia, all of those great things. I have never felt pain like this. It was a very specific, sharp pain. Yeah. And it got, for the next two or three hours, it got worse and worse and worse. And, and this is a species that so many people worldwide consider to be mild or, or meek or weak toxined. You yeah, know, everyone poo poos the the cistrus, the, the pygmy rattlesnake complex in terms of being, oh, it's just a pygmy. Yeah. And then something like this happens. 
And I, you know, to be fair, I, I've read so many case reports about it, you know, previously before, you know, before this happened and I've chatted to other people and yeah, oh, my granddad got bit by a pygmy rattlesnake and he went to work the next day and just rode it out. And fair play. I was in bits, <laughs> you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to work out. I'm not sure what the equivalents are for America. I'm six foot tall and I weigh 13 and a half stone. So that's about 84 kilos. And I was in bits. Yeah. You know, um, so much so as the pain went on, um, every pulse was like someone hitting me on the end of the hand with a hammer. That's not an exaggeration. It's absolutely debilitating pain. Um, and the swelling was, I was surprised how dramatic and how rapid the swelling was. So my hand um, swelled to approximately, well, about double the size within about an hour of the bite. Wow. Yeah. Um so obviously uh, the doctors were marking up my hand uh, with felt pens to see uh, how quickly the swelling was occurring. And then sure. we had, had the debate, did I want antivenom or not? Because of the associated risks with antivenom, you know, um, everybody thinks, well, not everybody, but people that maybe aren't around the hobby as much thinks, oh, it's okay, you just get a shot of antivenom and then you're fine. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. But antivenom comes with a massive risk of um, anaphylactic shock um, and potential long-term damage for kidneys and right, you know, right. serum sickness and all those good things. So there, there was a you know a debate, um, but they felt because of the rapidity and increase in the swelling that antivenom was was going to be needed. Right now, I come from a country that doesn't have a great many snake bites. <laughs> yeah. Not like the not like the US. Right. I mean, we probably have some in the UK, we probably have 10, 20 snake bites a year from our one venomous snake, and they're pretty low key. Um yeah. so the venom stocks in the UK are, are sort of centralized. So my nearest venom was at a place called Bedford, which was an hour and a half away on blue lights. Wow. So they uh, got a blue light carrier motorcycle to bike the um, the antivenom down. And we had that on standby. Uh, so the plan was that I wasn't going to have antivenom unless the swelling reached above the elbow. Okay. So um, by this point, I was uh, laying in a hospital bed feeling particularly sorry for myself. And we got to about uh, midnight and the swelling passed my elbow wow. to the point that I couldn't bend my arm anymore. There was no Jeez. no leeway in the arm, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So we decided um, that that's what we do. Now, again, the, the doctors in the, uh, in the ER were not familiar with snake bites at all. Um, in fact, a lot of the doctors and nurses were Indian and they were absolutely fascinated because they see a lot of snake bite, but they don't really deal with it. So this was the really? first. Yeah, they, they were really interested, but they had very limited knowledge. Excellent. Yeah. So I was very fortunate um, because of the time difference. Midnight in the UK was, you know, sort of like lunchtime for the Australians. So uh, I was lucky enough to phone um, Scott Iper 
and Ty Iper, and they gave great advice as expected, um, which, you know, really did help a great deal when you're laying in a hospital bed and, you know, the people that are supposed to be treating you really, once they don't have a clue, but they're reading textbooks to learn what to do to you on, right. on the spot. They, they have um, no experience. They're learning. They no yeah. Right. Um, it, it was really, it really was um, a very good comfort to have the likes of Scott and Ty saying, right, at this time, this will probably happen. Yeah. Look, look out for this. You know, if you're going to have this, consider this and so on and so forth. So that was, that was really useful. Excellent. Um, so we got to half past two in the morning and then we started the infusion of antivenom. Uh, I had eight amps of antivenom of a name which I can't pronounce. I know you can pronounce it. Yes, yeah, so it was Anavipman. Anavipman, that's yeah, it. Anavipman, uh, which, which is produced is, by Instituto Balcon. So we, because of the concern uh, regarding uh, a, a severe allergic reaction, we decided uh, under advice from various different people to do the longest infusion we could. So they went for a four and a half hour infusion. Excellent. Uh, so I was, as soon as I got to hospital, I was um, on saline drips with antibiotics in it. Um, so they switched that for the antivenin. Um, my temperature conversely plummeted so that I was absolutely shaking cold. Did um, your blood pressure drop with the temperature drop? Yeah, blood pressure. Um, I was being monitored. They were taking oxygen and bloods constantly. Mm -hmm. um, so that every half an hour, they'd do um, blood pressure oxygen sats. Um, and every hour, they was physically taking blood to do platelet, Excellent. Um, like, platelet checks. Good. Um, also, uh, measuring fluids in and fluids out. I was urinating a lot because of the amount of fluids going through um, in an attempt to flush your kidneys through, which was, yeah, that's great. Which was, which was useful. Um, it was a horrible, horrible experience in terms of, I know the window for anaphylactic shock for antivenom is 15 minutes to two hours. So it was a long two hours where I'm sort of laying in the dark, listening to machines beep, yeah. like counting down and just thinking, you know, is this going to be okay? Uh, and they, past, they gave you uh, IV Benadryl as well, right? That's, um, yeah, they gave me IV antibiotics and antihistamine. And then did you have any ill effects from the antihistamine? No, none whatsoever. Okay. Um, I couldn't even tell you. I, I I I couldn't even tell you if it made me drowsy because I because of the pain. The pain. I I, I literally didn't sleep for twenty four hours. So yeah. Um, so we got to. Uh, I think the anti venom infusion finished about seven o'clock in the morning, and by that time, the, the pain really subsided. Uh, the antivenin really it was it was quite dramatic how quickly the antivenin took the pain away Excellent. Um, comedically um they gave me morphine when <laughs> i first got there and right. it I might well have been drinking water wow um having spoken to uh mark o'shea and scott 
um, normal painkillers have no effects on the pain caused by envenomation. Absolutely Wild. pointless. Yeah. Wild. Um, so, yeah, so from seven o'clock, the swelling started to subside. Um, and then by about five o'clock the following afternoon, um, I was, I had final blood tests. Um, all the sats were, all the sats were good. Blood pressure was good. Swelling was receding. Um, so I was discharged from hospital. Excellent. I got, I got, I got picked up by Ali. I got home. I got in bed and I fell asleep at about seven o'clock in the evening. And I slept through till about 12 o'clock the next day. Wow. Just absolutely dead to the world. Yeah. Um, I had no range of movement in my hand at all for two days. I literally couldn't, I could feel on the ends of my fingers, but the whole hand itself was hypersensitive. Um, just even cold air on the back of my hand was extremely painful. Yeah. Um, but gradually over time, uh, I was trying to keep my hand moving as much as possible. And gradually over time, I could touch my thumb on my forefinger and then the ring finger and then and so on um, until, Excellent. yeah, over a period of days, I got the, the, the movement back in my hand um, and the swelling is, I mean, what are we on now? Day five now. And I pretty much, the swelling's totally gone now. Um, That's great. Yeah. The, on day before yesterday, blisters started to appear at the bite site. Um, so I've got a blister about the size of a, a 50 pence piece for English people. I'm not really sure what the equivalent is in the US, but um, it's probably about a, 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 a 50 cents, a 50 half cents. dollar, half yeah, dollar, half dollar size yeah. uh, around the bite site. But apart from that, it's pretty much back to normal. So, yeah, that was uh, my experience. So at the moment, um, things are looking good. Um, Excellent. It's just a case of, uh, you know, waiting for the blisters to burst now and seeing what long-term damage has been done. Yeah. Yeah, man. And uh, I, I, I thank you as your friend and co-host for sharing this and we can make this episode. And I think it, it speaks volumes to both yourself as well as Ali, your, 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 your significant other, because you had an idea of how things were going to go. You had instructed her in the best way that you could. And she handled it really, really appropriately. I think like she did her job really, really well. And however she could help you. And I feel like that's a big deal that a lot of keepers don't think about. Um, and I know my friend group, we used to do like once a year, if we had new venomous guys and gals, we would, everyone would get together at somebody's house and we call it spouse night, you know, and your yeah. girlfriend, your husband, your roommate, they would come over, we'd get some pizzas and some beer and we would basically show pictures of what to do, what not to do. And it's a, a huge testament to your training and your ability to communicate that with her. And I think that's a great thing. No, thank you for that. I mean, I'm very fortunate that I have the likes of you and Scott on the end of the phone. And I, you know, I can't thank you. I can't thank you enough because, uh, you know, it is distressing for a partner. Ali doesn't keep snakes. She's interested, yeah. but she doesn't keep venomous snakes, but she could talk to you 
Yeah. Because I wasn't in a position to really uh, explain much to her at certain points. I was just, you know, yeah, uh, just trying to keep it together because I was in so much pain. So she was lucky that she had somebody that could reassure her and, t- you know, tell this is normal, this is going to happen, and, and so on. So that is really lucky. So you know, your point is super valid. Anybody that's keeping venomous or thinking of keeping venomous, don't just think about yourself. Right. If you have a significant other, as you say, right. Yeah. I think that's a fantastic idea. You need to give them a support group or a support person that if anything happens, call this number and they can talk you through it. You know, even if that's just like a security blanket in it's okay. It's normal that they're doing this to him or they're doing that to her or whatever. Right. Just, I think that's so valuable, super valuable. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it, it, it is a, a horrible scenario, but it couldn't have gone better in my opinion. No, I, I, I would yeah. agree. Um, yeah. And I'm, as, as we had a conversation before. I'm not happy that it happened. Right. Of course. But not. it was a, an interesting scenario to go through. And it has given me a far greater understanding of you know the biomechanics of how venom works and the respect that needs to be done for you know any venomous snake yeah any um, venomous snake any venomous snake yeah regardless of you know toxicity on paper as 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 a, our good friend Ryan Cox always says foreign uh, what does he say uh, foreign protein is foreign protein you know 100% yeah so. 100% but, it, and you know, having had loads of time in bed to dwell on things and think about things. Yeah. I would just, you know, for people that are thinking of getting into the venomous hobby, or even people that are in the venomous hobby, but maybe hadn't seriously thought about what happens if I get a bite. You know, I'm a grown man. I was having to have my food cut up for me by my partner. Yeah. You know, I still can't drive. Now, I'm yeah. fortunate that I have a job where I can take time off and it's not an issue. But, you know, I, if I was self-employed, that could be yeah. a massive that could be a massive issue. Oh, yeah. You know, um, I live in the UK. We have the National Health Service. My entire treatment was free. Big difference it, here in the US. Exactly. Now, you know, you think I had, I can't remember, you know, six to eight IV bags of fluids. I had eight amps of anti-venom. I had more blood tests than I could care to think about. You yeah. know, I had a, I had a room to myself in a hospital. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, all, all of this thing. I, I dread to think of the cost in, in the US. Well, um, just for ballparks, right? And again, none of this, none of what I'm about to say is factual in any way. It's all ballpark, right? It's all a, a, a approximation, but assuming that one's insurance in the United States is not covering the bite, let's just pretend it's not covering it, which in most cases they're not going to, especially if they know that you keep these and you're already assuming the, the, the danger factors, right? The ambulance ride from your house to the hospital, if you even make, if you even make those accommodations, Easily five thousand dollars. You're looking at about, or sometimes thirty five hundred, three thousand, something like that. Uh, you're easily in about five grand a night in a hospital stay. 
Um, if you get airlifted via helicopter, it is typically about $10,000 just to get the helicopter off the landing pad. Um, that's not including flight times. That's not including fuel coverages, all that stuff. Um, and then you're looking at the actual cost of medicine and testing, tens of thousands. And then you get down to the actual antivenin itself. Um, certain antivenins like the antivitamin that Nipper received is considerably less because it is produced in Mexico and it is a, what we refer to as a lyophilized antivenin. It's a powder dry, you know, powder for lack of a better synonym that saline is added to and it's basically turned on when it gets wet. Because of that, they can make it cheaper, they can store it longer, um, and it's less money. But if it was something like Crofab, um, depending on the hospital you go to, it could be anywhere from $3,500 a vial to $5,000 a vial. And depending on the species you get bit by, let's say it's Eastern Dimeback, the standard procedure for Eastern Dimeback, regardless of how much how big the snake was, is 16 vials. So you start with 16 and go from there. And this, again, again, approximations, this may have changed. You know what I mean? I've been out of it for a little while. I'm not too, I'm not too fresh up on, on these procedures as they change frequently, kind of like CPR protocol, but you're looking at a lot of expense. So the average, you know, uh, the average venomous snake bite to a captive keeper in the United States is anywhere from 280 to $300,000 on average. Sometimes insurance will cover the majority of it. It depends on your insurance. So that's another factor that needs to be thought of is making sure that your medical arrangements are spelled out and clarified and articulated to both yourself and the people around you. Yeah, absolutely crazy. As I say, I was moaning about having to pay £2.90 for parking. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and don't get me wrong, I, I have a, a friend of mine who received an Eastern Dimeback bite, and he's a he's a keeper. It was a captive animal. It was another freak accident, much like yours. And he received, oh man, I think he got like twenty two or twenty four vials of Crofab, and he was in the hospital for four or five days. And uh, I think his bill wound up being like three hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Jesus! But because he had he had taken out i guess he had insurance through his work and they wouldn't do any snake bite stuff so he says you know what i'm going to buy my own health insurance on my own and he made sure it covered the gauntlet of snake stuff and i think he wound up paying like maybe 3 grand in incidental crap that he had to pay for cuz he he didn't, he didn't get an ambulance ride he didn't get a helicopter mm-hmm. you know his his wife drove him so it's it's not that bad but still 3 grand's a lot better than 300 hundred percent. It's still super expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the, the other, you know, the more, more morbid things, um, you have to think life is quite, can be quite dangerous. My job can be quite dangerous. You know, other people's jobs are dangerous. Life can be quite dangerous. Do I want a hobby that adds that sort of danger to it? Right. You know, I now, my other great love, I mean, I won't be climbing for at least, I can't see myself climbing for a month, maybe two months now. Yeah. And then I'll be starting again, not from scratch, but, you know, I'll have lost all those gains. Same for the training in the gym. I yeah. won't be training in the gym for, for a while. I'll lose all those gains. Yeah. You know, I could have feasibly lost an arm. I could have lost a finger. 
I you can could, still, yeah, yeah. You could have died. I could have died. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. And again, this is a hobby, uh, and I'm not trying to put people off because I've had a fabulous two decade, you know, hobby which has fascinated me and still fascinates me. Right. Um, you're not I, you're not quitting venomous keeping because of this, but no. it definitely brought a lot of of light to scenarios you didn't even know were dark. Yeah, hundred percent. It's I just think people need to when we're all scrabbling to go. I want this. Oh, this is good. I want this. I want this. We need to think that there is a potential huge danger element to this, and I think. Maybe it's just me, but I think a lot of people, I mean, after 20 years, I think you get a little bit, not blasé, we still treat the animals with the respect they deserve, but you kind of almost get to a point where you think it's never going to happen to me. And I just think we all, every so often, should just do a reality check and think, you know, it's possible I'll lose a finger. It's possible I'll lose an arm. It's possible I might die. And you know? I, I, I think that that's a very, very valid statement. And I love the idea of a mental refresher, a, a, a bring back to reality, you know, as we do get un, unknowingly complacent. Yeah. I will say, I don't want to speak for you, Nipper, but I'll say for myself, when I got into Venomous, there was this nasty phrase that everyone used. And it was like, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Yeah. Referencing to get bit. And I don't believe that. I no, do not 100%. You know, I have friends that have been doing this for 40, 50, 60 years and they've never even had a close call. Yeah. The issue is that we love these animals and we want to work with them and we want to get closer and more proximity to danger. And whether it's medical treatments or, uh, dare I say, showboating, you know, yeah. or, 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 you know, we don't, we, we cross lines that we don't need to. And it brings us closer to that danger. And, and it's not yeah. even on an adrenaline or, or, or on a, uh, 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 it's not on purpose. It's just part of its nature of the game. But I do not believe the whole, oh, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I don't believe that. No, believe 100%. You can go your entire life and not have an issue. Yeah. Yeah. As long as your protocols are good and as right. long as you keep focused all the time. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, yeah. Another issue that I thought of while I was laying there, it's I've got a reasonably large collection of snakes, venomous and non-venomous. Right. They still need cleaning and feeding. Oh yeah. You know, and I'm out of action. So it's things like that. If you are going to keep venomous, you've got to think of, you know, part of your protocol is, and we have to have this listed on our licenses in the UK. I don't know what it's like in, in the States, but you need somebody that can look after your collection if you're immobilized for a period of time. Yeah, see, we we my friends and I have that with each other, but yeah. it's not a, in any kind of official capacity. So it's just I mean it's just again something if something's considering getting into venomous, that's something else. It's not just yeah. you, you you're gonna need, I mean, hopefully you'll have a mentor or something like that, which is close to you but you're going to need somebody that can maintain your collection. You can't expect mm -hmm. your partner to maintain a collection because they won't have the skill sets yeah. uh, to do it. And I know there's a lot of people that say, Oh, you know, I got the mobility back in my hand. Uh, I I'll just, I'll clean some babies. You know, I'll use the baby. Yeah. I'll use the neonate hook. Yeah. No, you're just, you're asking to have another accident. You're asking 100%. to have another, another issue. Yeah. So, yeah.
I'm struggling to butter toast at the moment, you know. So <laughs> the last thing that I want to do is be, you know, looking after venom snakes at the moment. Yeah. So yeah, it, yeah you need somebody that's, that will give you a hand. Yeah. Yeah. Well yeah. played, sir. Well played. Was there anything else you want to touch base on? I know this was a real quick episode. No, I just thought, um, as we discussed, I just think it was it was worth putting out there. Um, yeah. And again, just to reiterate, this is not a how cool we would been bitten by a venomous snake. So this is a please be aware of the potential danger and the ongoing effects of getting bitten um, can have. And I don't want to be patronising, but don't think it's not going to happen to you. you yeah, know. well put. I, I, you know, 20 years, nothing's happened. And then one miserable Thursday, bang. Yeah. But um, yeah, there we are. Fortunately, I'm not a millennial, so we're okay. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully some people got some good stuff out of this one. I know I did. Um, yeah. And I've, I know that you did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's also yeah. good to have a venue like you and I do to express this in a respectful circle of people. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, and and not just be like, "Hey, guess what?" You know, um, I I like our community. I love our community. I, I absolutely love our community. I love the people in it, and I love our listeners and our followers. And it's good to be able to express and convey these things with them. And it doesn't look like showboating, and it doesn't look like uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Limelight. You know, that's no. not the case at all. No, 100%. percent um, you know, Early talk, educational. Yeah. Talking about our community, I, I I, cannot thank. I had so many people get in touch, um, just well-wishing. Do I need anything? Do you need me to come around and look after your snakes? Just really, really kind. Um, and I don't think there's many communities that you get that in. I mean, yeah. you know. There's so, not. You know, not the you know the bird community or the fish keepers or something like that. I don't think it's the same community. I think the venomous community is really, really tired. I think it's um, yeah. I was you know overwhelmed with the amount of um, messages and offers of help. It it was quite humbling. So thank you for everybody for that. Yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. It sucks because you know I got three phone calls from you in a row, and I was like, something's up. I got to. <laughs> You know, and it, 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 it sucked for me because I, I, I genuinely wanted to be there. I wish I could just hop in the car and it is what drive. it is, right? Yeah. It is what it is. So. Yeah. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. Again, this is episode thirteen. And uh my name is Phil Wolf. As always, Nipper Reed. Thanks for thanks, watching. Thanks for listening, folks. Just like and subscribe. Yeah. Follow Nipper Reed on Instagram. Yes. Get him there, children. Get me over the bar. Yes.